You are now listening to the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Ian Begley, ESPNNewYork.com. My man, he's on Twitter at Ian Begley. Should have been verified a long time ago, but I don't know what Twitter is taking so long. What's up, my man? <laughs> What's going on, bro? How you doing? Doing good, man. Just, uh, you know, just watching these NBA games and waiting for the All-Star weekend. And uh, a lot of injuries have occurred. And uh, from Porzingis to Cousins to John Wall, a lot of big-time marquee guys are out. But, you know, just waiting for the All-Star break to come come around. I know you are. So um, any any big plans for you once you get to All-Star break? You know, just relaxing with the family, man. Just uh, hanging out with my wife, hanging out with my daughter. Uh, just Just kicking it. Just kicking it. Nothing major. Nothing major. Not like you. <laughs> hey, I'll start weekend like the Cruz brothers. Hey, listen, man. I'm not. I'm not, and won't be in LA. So I don't know, <laughs> you know, who, who you got me confused with. But I'll be here in New York for All Star Weekend, man. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy it. Definitely, man. Definitely. Um. Well, you know, you do cover the Knicks. All throughout the year, preseason, postseason, stuff like that, um, and it's been a very up and down season for the Knicks. Uh, apparently, mo- most recently with the uh, the injury to Kristaps Porzingis, who was just you know named to be an All Star, was was going to his first All Star game in in LA next week, and just a really bad <clears throat> bad situation for him, the team, the organization, the fans. Um, right, <clears throat> right to it. I know you were in in the building, uh, in the garden when they when they play uh, Milwaukee. So when that play happened and everybody's all yelling and screaming because he dunked on Giannis, and then boom, he's on the floor in pain. Your first initial reaction was what? You know, it was just what's going on. What happened? Is it serious? Is it not serious? Um, but the, the reaction in the building, man, it was just um, stunned silent from the crowd because when you have the face of your franchise crumpled underneath the basket, grabbing his knee, you know it's not good. Um, you know, But right after the injury, Porzingis walked out on his own. He was in a brace, but he was able to move out on his own power. So there was a little bit of optimism that, hey, maybe it's it wouldn't be that serious. But then obviously that MRI later mm-hmm. confirmed the worst. And uh, and now it kind of changes everything for the Knicks going forward uh, in a lot of different ways. So it's going to be interesting to see how they how they push through here with the injury and with everything they have to do to build this roster out. Yeah, man, I, I just feel like once they said you know torn ACL, then it's like the rehab, the coming back a year. We, you know, we just seen Zach Levine and Jabari Parker come back from the same injury. Jabari Parker. Torn, tore both ACLs, um, and they both got hurt last February, and they both returned um, this February. So it does take a year with the rehab, and depending on how significant the tear is, but most people would say between 9, 10, to 12 months. Uh, so that won't put poor Zingas back on the court until February. So as you mentioned early on Twitter, man, um, this season – the, they're now making the playoffs. Next year, 
we don't know what they're going to do as far as who they get in the offseason and stuff like that. But still, you're looking at not having your best player for uh, at least another year and a half. Um, the, what's the major impact that this, that this injury has on not only on Porzingis, the player, but also the Knicks as an organization? So I think for the team, um, you know, the Knicks this year, they were trying to do two things. They were trying to compete for a playoff spot. They were also trying to develop young kids. And now with the injury, you know, it it takes the playoffs off the table. So now it it, it almost allows them or does allow them to focus on trying to see what they have in these, these young players and trying to find young players that could fit around for a healthy Porzingis, they hope, uh, going forward. So the, uh, you know, the idea that for so long this team had kind of tried to kind of straddle that middle line between rebuilding and competing for a playoff spot, that's out the window right now. It's all about finding that young talent to build through the draft and uh, through trades and, and also, you know, free agency. So I think it almost clarified things for the Knicks a little bit. Um, Obviously, you said it, they're not making the playoffs this year, so it's all about the 2018 first-round draft pick. And then, you know, if you look at Porzingis' potential timeline, mm-hmm. you know, he's not going to be back before 10 months. I mean, we know that. So we're looking at least into uh, December, and then I, 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 I think, I have to think it's going to be significantly longer than that uh, without knowing anything about the diagnosis. So... It's almost like that next year, that 2019, uh, 2018-2019 season, should be about that 2019 pick as well. So it's like, you know, Porzingis comes back, you hope he's healthy, but you don't win that many games that year. And then you're looking at adding that draft pick in 2019 and then, you know, seeing what you have at that point because, you know, I guess the hope is for the Knicks, they have this 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 core of, of young players and uh, through the, the young players through the draft and maybe uh, Melikina or Moutier or one of those young guys is, is a part of it. Tim Hardaway is a part of it, and uh, you have maybe something to sell free agents in the summer of uh, of 2019. So I think that's kind of how this injury changed the Knicks thinking a little bit. So real quick, help me out here. If Porzingis does not get hurt, um. Do they a continue to fight for a playoff spot? B continue to not play the young guys like Frank as much. C Hernan Gomez is still a Nick, and D they don't make a trade for Moutier. Or does everything that happened with Hernan Gomez and Moutier um, happen because of the poisoning his injury? Well, I think that the the Hernan Gomez stuff was kind of in motion uh, already, even before the the KP. Injury, so mm. that the the other piece, the Moutier piece, is interesting to me because I, I think they would have they wanted to bring in a young guy like in a trade like they did on Thursday. They wanted to do that before the KP injury, but I wonder if they would have been a little more hesitant to do so if they still thought, hey, you know, we we want to make a run at the playoffs here because we, we want to be competitive and we don't Porzingis wants to make the playoffs, the players want to make the playoffs. So do we do we make this kind of move or do we hold off on it? I just wonder how that might have changed the thinking on that move. Uh, because yeah, the organization was committed to continuing to make a push for the playoffs. 
leading up to the trade deadline before that Porzingis injury. So that was the thinking going into the deadline. Obviously, the injury changes everything. But I, I think the Hernan Gomez deal would have happened anyway. Maybe not specifically what the return they got. Maybe things would have been different. Maybe they pulled out for a little more or mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, the Moutier deal, I'm not as sure on if, if they would have gone the same route if Porzingis wasn't hurt. So to to kind of recap everything that happened yesterday uh, or the last couple of days with what the Knicks did, uh, they traded Doug McDermott to Denver and a second-round draft pick. They get Moutier, who was also in the same draft with Porzingis, and also a guy that people thought that the Knicks were going to pick at number four, but they picked Porzingis instead. So Moutier has been on their radar for quite some time. Um, speaking of Moutier... Does him coming to New York kind of uplift his young career? Where in Denver, it just didn't look like 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 the proper fit for him. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, a lot of players talk about the uh, the change of scenery and how that might help things, and we'll find out if that's the case with uh, Moody. You know, he's a athlete, uh, explosive guy, mm-hmm. um, can really get around you off the dribble, has had trouble finishing at the rim, trouble with his shot, although he shot a little better from three this year, and he's struggled on defense, you know, according to the numbers. So he's got some holes in his game, but obviously the potential was there. You know, many NBA teams were high on this kid coming into the 2015 NBA draft, so they saw the potential. And does a chain of scenery help him reach that potential? Uh, I don't know. Well, we will find out, but that's certainly what the Knicks are banking on here. So what are what are the positives that Moutier can bring to this team? I, I know when I say right now, but it's like it's a foregone conclusion that the Knicks are, are not making the playoffs. But what can people expect to see him bring this year and ultimately leading into next year? So I think what you can expect off the bat is a guy who can break the defense down off the dribble. And, you know, I didn't, I haven't watched him a lot. So I'm just going based on what I read in the last day or so. I, I, uh, you know, from people I respect and some scouts that I respect, they've said that he can get, get past you off the dribble, but his, he looks for his own shot a little bit too much. Uh, so maybe the Knicks can convince him to be, uh, a little more, not pass first, but a little more cognizant of the pass off of a drive. Um, I think if he can improve finishing at the rim, that would be a good thing. But I think what you can expect immediately is a guy who's going to break you down off the dribble, um, which is something that the Knicks haven't had all year. So that, I think, in and of itself is is valuable for this club because it's something they've been missing. So now there's a current log jam at at the point guard with with, with Frank, Moutier, Jared Jack. Um, I would assume... Obviously, Moutier and Frank had the longer tenure uh, careers with New York and not Jared Jack. So what did they do with that uh, going into the offseason? Well, we're talking about the, the, all, the, all the point guards they have. I think uh, Jared Jack is not a, a guy who I, I would be surprised. If he did come back, I would think he'd be back as an end-of-the-bench guy to mentor the younger guards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with... Moutier and Nilakina and Trey Burke, you know, these last 25 games or so, they're going to be, it's going to be a competition of sorts, which Mm -hmm. I think is a good thing. 
Um, you know, these guys will get their minutes, we think. You know, Jeff Hornacek shouldn't be playing Tarek Jack big minutes, you know, for the remainder of the year. So we would think that those minutes go to Nelakina, to Trey Burke, and to Emmanuel Moutier. And it's going to be, you know, they're going to be competing uh, when they're on the floor, you know, whether they're sharing, sharing time in the backcourt or, mm. or splitting it. Uh, you know, they're going to be evaluated over these next 25 games. And I think what they do or don't do in this stretch will be a factor in, in how the Knicks feel about each player going forward. Obviously, they're Manu- uh, Moutier and uh, Nilakina and Burke are all under contract for next year. Burke's deal isn't fully guaranteed. So, you know, he's got to show the Knicks something over these next uh, few weeks to get that guaranteed money to stay on the roster for next season. And then, you know, Nilakin and Moutier, I really think if one of these guys steps up and grabs the spot and, and shows the Knicks that he can be a piece for the future, mm. I would think the other player would be, you know, moved. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the the, the one of the Moutier plays well or Nilakin plays well, but the Knicks still feel like, hey, you know, we can get, more from a trade with this player than we can from keeping him here, then they have a trade asset. So, you know, on its face, it seems weird to, to trade for another young point guard because you have Frank Nelikina. But I think what they, what they see it as is we're just in the process of collecting assets, right? It's not, mm. not about fit right now. It's about collecting young assets, draft picks, players, seeing what shakes out. And what whatever doesn't shake out, we either move on from or we try to use it in a trade to get something else. So I think that was right. uh, the thinking with that Moody deal. Now, help me out, because you know me, uh, Ian, I, I've always been a big-time Kimber Walker fan. Uh, I, I've been a fan of Eric Bledsoe for quite some time. So now I've always said the Knicks need, a, need, need that kind of point guard where they can shoot, attack the basket, and help others, um, help others out on the offense. So now when word where Eric Blesso might be available or wants out of Phoenix, um, we didn't get any response from the Knicks. Like they were as interested or interested at all. Kimba, Kimba's name was out there for being somewhat available, but maybe not so much. But then now they get Moutier. Is it because that the Moutier deal might was a little easier to try to get him as opposed to Eric Bledsoe and Kimba, or they just weren't, or like, or, or you did not hear they were even at all interested in uh, even inquiring about uh, Bledsoe and Kimba? I think the thing with Kimba was Jordan was looking for a, a, a star, not a, a young star or a draft pick or, you know, something really good in return. Mm-hmm. So, that's not something that the Knicks were willing to part with because Kemba is a great player, and I think he would have been great in New York, but they didn't want to sacrifice that future cap space. They didn't want to sacrifice that draft right. pick, the young player, whatever, excuse me, whatever, um, to bring Kemba over here. And I think it was the same thing with Bledsoe. I think with Bledsoe, uh, if I remember correctly, Nilakina was not on the table for the blood, for Bledsoe, they didn't want to trade Nelikina. Uh, Billy, I can't remember specifically with Billy if he was or he wasn't, but um, you know, Phoenix was looking for something that the Knicks weren't comfortable offering. Uh, whether that's the right move or the wrong move, you know, we'll, we'll find out. Um, you know, time will tell because we'll see how Frank shakes out, and 
you know, I think we know what kind of players Kemba and Eric Bledsoe are. Um, so we'll see. But that was the thinking at the time with those two guys. And uh, I don't uh, – I wonder, like uh, – it's funny because when the injury happened, it was a couple of days before the trade deadline, I just wonder if the injury happened a couple – Porzingis' injury happened after the trade deadline. Could have been really catastrophic for the Knicks because if they operated as if they wanted to make a playoff push and traded for a veteran like, you know, not Campbell Walker per se, but a player like that, mm-hmm. then then they would be stuck with a veteran with a longer contract right. and no shot at winning anything for the next couple of years. So it was almost... Um, uh, it, 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 you never want this injury to happen. You never want it to happen to any player, certainly not your star player. But the idea that it happened a little bit before the trade deadline prevented the Knicks from, from making a bad mistake at the deadline. Well, aside from the Moutier deal, the Knicks, they traded uh, Hernan Gomez uh, to Charlotte for Johnny O'Brien, two second-round picks. Why didn't it work for Hernan Gomez after he had like an all-rookie team season last year? Yeah, he just, you know, the coaching staff put him behind O'Quinn and Cantor. And then, you know, they started off 16 and 13, playing well. Mm -hmm. And that center combination with Cantor and O'Quinn was working out really well. So he felt he got, I guess, the coaching staff felt like O'Quinn outplayed Billy in the preseason. O'Quinn got the spot. And there was no need to change it early on in the season because things were going well. And the coaches just stuck to that over the last, you know, month and a half when things started to go bad, they stuck to it. They stuck to Billy not playing. And, you know, Billy's representatives and Billy were starting to get really upset because they felt like they should be getting minutes. And they voiced their displeasure, and it kind of put the Knicks in a place where um, you have a disgruntled player on your hands and – you can hold on to him because he's still under contract for another two years, but they decided to make the move, uh, dealing him for two picks. And uh, it'll be interesting to me to see what Billy does in Charlotte because he wanted minutes. I don't know if he necessarily gets them in, in Charlotte because of uh, the amount of big men that they have there, but let's say he right. plays and he turns into a, a good rotation player or you know a starter putting up numbers. That's, that's not a good look for the Knicks because – you would think that he could have been doing the same thing for them being under contract for the next two years at a total of like $3 million. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, with Steve Clifford and uh, and the Hornets. Well, it's amazing that the Knicks have a, a log jam at the four and five. They have a log jam at the point guard. And, and speaking of the log jam at the four and five, they did, they did trade Hernan Gomez, but now they still have the Joe Kim Noah situation where him and Hornacek are not getting along. Um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming Noah is healthy, but Hornacek is not playing him. Whatever it is, um, Noah does not want the buyout. He wants all of his money, and I respect that. Um, so now we come, we're, we're at an impasse where is Joe Kim Noah, is he just going to chill on the sideline and collect his money, or is he not going to play for the for the for the remainder of the season, or what? What needs to happen between Jeff and Joe Kim Noah going forward? So it's going to have to be a buyout, or they waive Noah, or I don't think this is going to happen. But they mend fences, and Joe Kim comes back. I don't think that's happening. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to either be Joe uh, Joe Kim agrees to take some money off of his deal, and then they do a buyout, and then he, 
he goes to a playoff uh, to whatever team he wants to, uh, or they just they just waive him. And I don't see them just waving him. I think the Knicks will want to take some money off the contract. Uh, so that'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It seems like you know it's, it's going to be a little bit of a, a battle of wills. Who's going to blink first, Joe Keem or the Knicks? But I think one way or the other, he'll be off the team before March 1st because if he wants to sign with a playoff team, he's got to sign with them before March 1st to be eligible for the playoff roster. So I think that's the date you're looking at for uh, Noah and for the Knicks. So right now, Noah, he's 100% healthy, right? Yes, he's healthy. Yep, he is healthy. Well, I mean, listen, I – if he can get on a playoff team before March first, that'll be good for him. But um, I, for me, I thought I thought it was either a they get to they they you know they re rehash you know all their differences, which you know me and you don't see happening. Two, somehow Hornacek is no longer the coach, which could happen next season, or they wave and buy out Noah. I don't think that's going to happen either. So hopefully they they come to an agreement somehow, some way. The one question I did have for you. Um, because once the trade for Moutier happened, people were like, oh, what what, what does this mean for Frank? And kind of hindering his his development, even the development of Hernan Gomez. So um, I got to, we know pretty close, uh, Chris Herring. I, I do follow him on Twitter. And he actually tweeted uh, a crazy, tremendous point where he said that, you know, is the Knicks, they draft pretty well. It's just how they develop the young guys seems to be, you know, kind of suspect where you get guys like Landry Fields, Shumpert, uh, Hernan Gomez, Frank, Tim Hardaway Jr. The first, the first go around, uh, Shannon Fry, Will Chandler, Gallo, Moscow, Ariza, Jeremy Lin, Chris Copeland. We can go on and on. They get drafted here, but they don't seem to be developed in the proper way that when they go to a different team, they look a whole lot better. Is, is that something to be concerned about with this team, that they can draft well, but when it comes to developing this young talent, they're just not very good at doing that? Yeah, that is definitely a concern, and it's a great point by you, great point by Chris. I mean, it's a concern. Knicks have not had a good history of developing young players once they're here, and that's their kind of goal. That's what they're thinking about going forward is, getting young players, developing them. So is that possible with this group here, this front office, this coaching staff? Uh, I don't know. We don't know yet. You know, we'll find out. Um, the results so far with Nilakina, you know, and I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So maybe he is developing well in practice mm-hmm. and we're just not seeing it in games. But based on what we see in the games, he has not developed well this season. Um, but maybe that's just typical of a 19-year-old. So right. uh, so we don't know yet how this group is going to be at player development, but uh, it, it, it almost is the most important piece for this organization. Um, you know, obviously the coaching hire is big, but if you're going to go young and you're going to rebuild and you're going to do it the right way through the draft, you have to have great player development. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's one of those things to watch going forward if you're a Knicks fan. And real quick, to be fair, that they, they did, you know, my opinion, they did do a very good job with uh, David Lee and Nate Robinson. You know, Nate Robinson, slam dunk champion, everything. David Lee was an all star and, and became a champion with the Warriors. Um, a few more before I let you go in. I know you're a very busy guy. Um, 
with you know with, with the ACL injury KP has and seeing that Levine has has returned, Jabari Parker has returned. Should the fans feel more so encouraged that although it's a crazy injury to have, that you can't come back uh, within a year and come back to your full potential like Zach might be doing and Jabari Parker. So it's tough to know, right? Like, yeah. talk about when when you got, like, timelines and things like that. I think it's tough to know. Uh, it's just I'm not, you know, we're not doctors. Um, I'm just not in that realm, really. Yeah. But I think it's just he's a tall 7'3 guy, so I don't know how that impacts things. Um, if it makes it tougher, if it means he's out longer, like, I don't know. Um, but we talked to Jack, Jack a little bit about this last night, and because he went through it with ACL, and I think he had a meniscus tear, and he said uh, mm. it took him 17 months before he really felt all the way back. But I think his injury was different. And obviously, different body. Everybody kind of reacts differently to the rehab, and it depends on how you tore it, what happened, um, and what else is going on in the knee. So there's so many different factors there. I don't know. When do you think he would, like, if you had to guess, when do you think he'll be all the way back? Um, I think I think within the t- uh, within the same time frame that Zach and Parker, um, again. It depends on the severity of the tear. Again, we're not doctors, but it just, you know, they can say torn ACL, but it's like to what degree? And, you know, Porzingis is still young, young body, but him being so tall and everything, I, I just don't know. Because, you know, Parker and Zach are guard and forwards. It's different for a guy who's seven two, seven three, to come back from that kind of injury, the rehab and everything. So, um I, I would assume within the same, I think by next February, March, you know, uh, better yet, they might hold them out for the whole next season. To to be clear, they might just say, you know what, 2018 is over, 2019 is over, and just kind of build for the draft, get draft picks and everything. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush him back and put him on the floor next February or March unless they're in a playoff hunt, which I don't see happening. So they might, they might keep him off the floor next year too, Ian. They might, you know, it's not out the window. Um, and that's just one of those things where it's a big decision and it's a decision you have to get right. You can't bring him back too quickly. You know, I'm sure he's going to want to come back right away, but you have to figure out the, t- the right time to do it. Uh, you have to balance between, you know, not rushing back, but also getting him on the floor if he's ready because it's important for him to, you know, get back. And, and and regain his rhythm, and you you have to also see if he can come back and be the player that he was. Mm-hmm. Of course, because you have to base a lot of decisions about uh, your roster on that. So it's a, it's just a tough tough call to make, Very and it's one this organization has to get right. Uh, I got a two part question. Um, I know you, I know you wrote on Twitter that basically Nick fans are just going to have to accept that you know. Porzingis is out for almost a year and a half. They're going to try to build through the draft 18, 19, uh, deciding on whether Hornacek is the coach that they want to go to, uh, you know, going further. The Noah situation, finding and developing young players. So, one, would you say this is an official rebuild going going on? And, two, 
is it fair for like the fans and media to start questioning whether Porzingis is, you know, the guy in New York or should be the Batman and not so much of a Robin because of these injuries that he keeps getting and and they're that they're piling on. So yeah, we're one hundred percent. This is a hundred percent for people following the Knicks. We're in a rebuild. Uh, that's this is it. So that's that's this is in a, in a way that it hasn't been past years here. I think we said earlier they've been always kind of straddling the line between we want young players, we want to build, but we also want to make the playoffs. Cause it's important to be competitive. Now that's out the window. Mm-hmm. It's all about the draft and young players. So this is it. This is like a Philly style rebuild. They're not. They're no. not going to call it. Trust the process. They're not going to say mm. we're tanking. I don't think. But <laughs> this is the team's going to be bad the rest of this year. The team's going to be bad next year, and you have a chance to get, uh, you know, a couple very very elite young players in the draft. So you, this is this is how it's done. Um, and as far as the the sec your second question Randy was I'm sorry not a lot of sleep for me last <laughs> no worry basically people fans media are kind of questioning whether Porzingis is knowing that he's been hurt a couple yeah, times yeah, yeah. being the is main he the guy number, number one guy right yes. sorry about that no good um, now I know what it's like when uh, when guys are getting interviewed and they forget <laughs> that a lot with us uh, and right. They, they don't. I think they they were hoping to still kind of find out the rest of the season. I think that's why also this injury really hurts. It hurts, it kills Porzingis because he was getting a chance to learn as a number one option uh, for the first time in his career this season. So he was learning all year about how to play against certain defenses, how guys are going to come uh, when you put the ball on the floor, double teams coming, whatever, how to handle all that stuff. That this robs him of the opportunity to continue learning. And it robs him of the opportunity to take what he's learned and apply it over the summer because he was a big workout guy over the summer. He was big on getting stronger over the summer, attacking his weaknesses over the summer. So it takes away all of that, and it also takes away time for the Knicks to evaluate if Chris is a number one guy or if they don't think he is. You know, I think they were they were in that evaluation process. I think they're pretty. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to speak for how they felt about it, because I really don't know if they felt confident mm. that, yes, he's a number one, or if they didn't. But I think they were still finding that out, and now it's just guesswork now because he's not on the court. So it's a great question that you asked, and I don't think they know the answer yet. If they don't know the answer yet, I think it's certainly fair for other people to, to wonder as well. All right, Ian, last question I got for you before I let you go. Um, we've seen the poisoning his injury. We've seen Tim Hardaway miss games with his injury, on ongoing injury. The Noah situation, uh, Ron Baker, got he's hurt. But I got to ask you, aside from Porzingis making the All-Star game, what are some of the positives that you've been seeing from this team uh, this season? Oh, you, you saved the hardest question for last, huh? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> um, if any, so if it, any. Yeah, it was it – was, uh, it was Porzingis just getting a chance to learn, and it was, you know, that that stretch earlier in the season where you saw that these guys played well. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, listen, people, I know a lot of people on social media um, see Ennis 
Cantor, and they don't they think he has you know empty numbers, whatever. Uh-huh. But I think that they've found the Knicks have in Cantor a player that is important and valuable yeah. in many different ways. So I think it's it's good to see that come to the forefront in the wake of the Carmelo trade. The idea that Cantor is a guy who definitely going to, I think, be here at least for another year and is a guy who I think a lot of the fan base has connected to because he um, plays a physical style. He's a very good offensive rebounder, good offensive player. Uh, you know, defensively, obviously, there's uh, a lot of work to be done on that end, but I, I do think that he had, he this idea that Ennis has become uh, a, a piece for the Knicks is, is a positive thing. And really, I have a hard time coming up uh, with other things. I mean, maybe over these next couple of weeks, we'll find some, you'll see some positives with some of these young guys. Maybe Frank, you know, plays better. Like he played well early in the year, then he kind of been up and down. More recently, maybe you see some sustained success from him. Maybe Moutier comes out and uh, and does a lot of the things in New York that he wasn't doing in Denver. Uh, so maybe you have that. But I think probably the biggest positive is that the Knicks didn't trade their draft pick. They have their 2018 draft pick. They didn't trade their 2019 draft pick. They have their 2019 draft pick. And they will have some cap space, uh, not this summer, but the following summer. So... Mm. If you're looking for positives, I think those are those are the the positives right now for this team. Last one for real. Last one, real quick. You, you just mentioned 2018 draft pick. Um, I mean, is, is, you know, is there a high chance that the, that the Knicks can, you know, I don't want to say number one because that's might that might be the ultimate uh, quest, but getting a one, two, or three, you know, top five. Can they get a top five pick at least? Let me. I haven't even really in a while looked at the standings. But let me just take a look uh, where they're at. So they're at twenty three wins. Wow. Um, I don't think they're going to win many games from here on out. But I think that you look at those teams at the bottom: Dallas, Sacramento, Phoenix, Memphis, Atlanta, Orlando, Yikes. Brooklyn, Chicago. There's a lot of teams below the Knicks mm-hmm. that they would have to do a lot of losing and hope that some of those really bad teams win a couple of games to sneak in the, the top five, I think. Well, listen, anything can happen with the draft lottery, but I think right. themselves the best odds to sneak into the top five. They would have to do a lot of losing and hope a couple of those teams uh, win some games. Uh, and actually, they already did you. They already did themselves a favor by uh, losing to Chicago three times and losing to, who they lose, to Atlanta twice? So, yeah. So that they actually that actually helps them now. So maybe those teams win a couple more games and the Knicks lose out, and then that's it. Maybe they get in there. Well, hopefully next time we we have you on, we're talking about Knicks might get Marvin Bagley or Trey Young, <laughs> at least one of those two guys. <laughs> yeah, that might be the conversation after this one. Definitely. Um, Ian Begley, ESPNNewYork.com. He's on Twitter at Ian Begley. Give him a follow. Great work. Always covering the New York Knicks all year round. Uh, Ian, always a pleasure. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. And I, I guess in, in, try to enjoy the remaining uh, month and a half of the Knicks season. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, always fun to talk to you. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you. I appreciate it.